Welcome to Rebecca Reads. This week's story is The Golden Beetle, or Why the Dog Hates the Cat. It is a longer story, so I have broken it up into two parts. I found this story in a book called A Chinese Wonder Book by Norman Hinsdale Pittman. It is a book full of wonderful stories from China. China is a land full of history and culture. I encourage you to go learn some more about it. There is too much for me to try and share here. This story is what we call an origin story. It is a story that is trying to explain why something is the way it is. We have read a couple of origin stories before. How the whale got his throat, the myth of Pandora, how the camel got his hump, and others. Some of these stories are myths or religious tales. Some are part of a culture that was handed down. Some are just for fun. We humans like to explain things. We like to know how stuff works and why things are the way things are. Stories like this can give us an explanation. They can also help us peek into a culture or a religion, helping us to understand them just a little bit more. Don't forget to stay after the story for this week's poem. And now for The Golden Beetle, Part 1. What we shall eat tomorrow, I haven't the slightest idea, said Widow Wang to her eldest son as he started out one morning in search of work. Oh, the gods will provide. I'll find a few coppers somewhere, replied the boy, trying to speak cheerfully, although in his heart he also had not the slightest idea in which direction to turn. The winter had been a hard one, extreme cold, deep snow, and violent winds. The Wang house had suffered greatly. The roof had fallen in, weighed down by heavy snow. Then a hurricane had blown a wall over, and Ming Li, the sun, up all night and exposed to a bitter cold wind, had caught pneumonia. Long days of illness followed, with the spending of extra money for medicine. All their scant savings had soon melted away, and at the shop where Ming Li had been employed his place was filled by another. When at last he arose from his sickbed, he was too weak for hard labor, and there seemed to be no work in the neighboring villages for him to do. Night after night he came home, trying not to be discouraged, but in his heart feeling the deep pangs of sorrow that come to the good son who sees his mother suffering for want of food and clothing. "'Bless his good heart,' said the poor widow after he had gone. "'No mother ever had a better boy. I hope he is right in saying the gods will provide. It has been getting so much worse these past few weeks that it seems now as if my stomach were as empty as a rich man's brain.' Why, even the rats have deserted our cottage, and there's nothing left for poor Tabby, while old Blackfoot is nearly dead from starvation. When the old woman referred to the sorrows of her pets, her remarks were answered by a pitiful mewing and woebegone barking from the corner where the two unfed creatures were curled up together, trying to keep warm. Just then there was a loud knocking at the gate. When the widow Wang called out, "'Come in!' She was surprised to see an old bald-headed priest standing in the doorway. "'Sorry, but we have nothing,' she went on, feeling sure the visitor had come in search of food. "'We have fed on the scraps these two weeks, on scraps and scrapings, and now we are living on the memories of what we used to have when my son's father was living. Our cat was so fat she couldn't climb to the roof. Now look at her. We can hardly see her. She's so thin.' "'No, I'm sorry we can't help you, friend priest, but you see how it is.' "'I didn't come for alms,' cried the clean-shaven one, looking at her kindly, "'but only to see what I could do to help you. "'The gods have listened long to the prayers of your devoted son. 
They honor him because he has not waited till you die to do sacrifice for you. They have seen how faithfully he has served you ever since his illness, and now, when he is worn out and unable to work, they are resolved to reward him for his virtue. You likewise have been a good mother, and shall receive the gift I am now bringing. What do you mean? faltered Mrs. Wang, hardly believing her ears at hearing a priest speak of bestowing mercies. Have you come here to laugh at our misfortunes? By no means. Here, in my hand, I hold a tiny golden beetle, which you will find has a magic power greater than any you ever dreamed of. I will leave this precious thing with you, a present from the god of filial conduct. Yes, it will sell for a good sum, murmured the other, looking closely at the trinket, and will give us millet for several days. Thanks, good priest, for your kindness. But you must by no means sell this golden beetle, for it has the power to fill your stomachs as long as you live. The widow stared in open-mouthed wonder at the priest's surprising words. Yes, you must not doubt me, but listen carefully to what I tell you. Whenever you wish food, you have only to place this ornament in a kettle of boiling water, saying over and over again the names of what you want to eat. In three minutes take off the lid, and there will be your dinner, smoking hot and cooked more perfectly than any food you have ever eaten. "'May I try it now?' she asked eagerly. "'As soon as I am gone.' When the door was shut, the old woman hurriedly kindled a fire, boiled some water, and then dropped in the golden beetle, repeating these words again and again. "'Dumplings, dumplings, come to me. I am as thin as thin can be. Dumplings, dumplings, smoking hot. Dumplings, dumplings, fill the pot.' Would those three minutes never pass? Could the priest have told the truth? Her old head was nearly wild with excitement as clouds of steam rose from the kettle. Off came the lid. She could wait no longer. Wonder of wonders! There, before her unbelieving eyes, was a pot, full to the brim of pork dumplings, dancing up and down in the bubbling water, the best, the most delicious dumplings she had ever tasted. She ate and ate till there was no room left in her greedy stomach, and then she feasted the cat and the dog until they were ready to burst. "'Good fortune has come at last,' whispered Blackfoot the dog to Whitehead the cat, as they lay down to sun themselves outside. "'I fear I couldn't have held out another week without running away to look for food. I don't know just what's happened, but there's no use questioning the gods.' Mrs. Wang fairly danced for joy at the thought of her son's return and of how she would feast him. "'Poor boy, how surprised he will be at our fortune, and it's all on account of his goodness to his old mother.' When Meeling came, with a dark cloud overhanging his brow, the widow saw plainly that disappointment was written there. "'Come, come, lad,' she cried cheerily. "'Clear up your face and smile, for the gods have been good to us, and I shall soon show you how richly your devotion has been rewarded.' So saying, she dropped the golden beetle into the boiling water and stirred up the fire. Thinking his mother had gone stark mad for want of food, Ming Li stared solemnly at her. Anything was preferable to this misery. Should he sell his last outer garment for a few pennies and buy millet for her? Blackfoot licked his hand comfortingly, as if to say, "'Cheer up, master. Fortune has turned in our favor.' Whitehead leaped upon a bench, purring like a sawmill. Ming Li did not have long to wait. 
Almost in the twinkling of an eye, he heard his mother crying out, "'Sit down at the table, son, and eat these dumplings while they are smoking hot.' Could he have heard correctly? Did his ears deceive him? No. There on the table was a huge platter full of the delicious pork dumplings he liked better than anything else in the world, except, of course, his mother. "'Eat and ask no questions,' counseled the widow Wang. "'When you are satisfied, I will tell you everything.' Wise advice. Very soon the young man's chopsticks were twinkling like the little star in the verses. He ate long and happily while his good mother watched him, her heart overflowing with joy at seeing him at last able to satisfy his hunger. But still the old woman could hardly wait for him to finish. She was so anxious to tell him her wonderful secret. "'Here, son,' she cried at last, as he began to pause between mouthfuls. "'Look at my treasure!' and she held out to him the golden beetle. First, tell me what good fairy of a rich man has been filling our hands with silver?' "'That's just what I'm trying to tell you,' she laughed, "'for there was a fairy here this afternoon, sure enough, only he was dressed like a bald priest. That golden beetle is all he gave me, but with it comes a secret worth thousands of cash to us.' The youth fingered the trinket idly, still doubting his senses, and waiting impatiently for the secret of his delicious dinner. "'But, mother, what has this brass bauble to do with the dumplings, these wonderful pork dumplings, the finest I ever ate?' "'Bobbles, indeed! Brass! Fie-fie, my boy! You little know what you are saying. Only listen, and you shall hear a tale that will open your eyes.' She then told him what had happened, and ended by setting all of the leftover dumplings upon the floor for Blackfoot and Whitehead, a thing her son had never seen her do before, for they had been miserably poor and had had to save every scrap for the next meal. Now began a long period of perfect happiness. Mother, son, dog, and cat all enjoyed themselves to their heart's content. All manner of new food, such as they had never tasted, were called forth from the pot by the wonderful little beetle. Bird nest soup, shark's fins, and a hundred other delicacies were theirs for the asking, and soon Ming Li regained all his strength, but, I fear, at the same time grew somewhat lazy, for it was no longer necessary for him to work. As for the two animals, they became fat and sleek, and their hair grew long and glossy. But alas! According to a Chinese proverb, pride invites sorrow. The little family became so proud of their good fortune that they began to ask friends and relatives to dinner that they might show off their good meals. One day, a Mr. and Mrs. Chu came from a distant village. They were much astonished at seeing the high style in which the Wangs lived. They had expected a beggar's meal, but went away with full stomachs. "'It's the best stuff I ever ate,' said Mr. Chu, as they entered their own tumble-down house. "'Yes, and I know where it came from,' exclaimed his wife. "'I saw Widow Wang take a little gold ornament out of the pot and hide it in a cupboard. "'It must be some sort of charm, for I heard her mumbling to herself about pork and dumplings "'just as she was stirring up the fire.' "'A charm, eh? Why is it that other people have all the luck? "'It looks as if we're doomed forever to be poor.' Why not borrow Mrs. Wang's charm for a few days until we can pick up a little flesh to keep our bones from clattering? Turnabout's fair play. Of course, we'll return it sooner or later. Doubtless they keep it very close watch over it. When would you find them away from home, now that they don't have to work any more? As their house only contains one room, and that no bigger than ours, it would be difficult to borrow this golden trinket. 
it is harder for more reasons than one to steal from a beggar than from a king luck is surely with us cried mrs chu clapping her hands they are going this very day to the temple fair i overheard mrs wang tell her son that he must not forget he was to take her about the middle of the afternoon i will slip back then and borrow the little charm from the box in which she hid it aren't you afraid of blackfoot Pah, he's so fat he can do nothing but roll if the widow comes back suddenly i'll tell her i came to look for my big hairpin that i lost it while i was at dinner all right go ahead only of course we must remember we're borrowing the thing not stealing it for the wangs have always been good friends to us and then too we have just dined with them so skillfully did this crafty woman carry out her plans that within an hour she was back in her own house gleefully showing the priest's charm to her husband not a soul had seen her enter the wang house the dog had made no noise, and the cat had only blinked her surprise at seeing a stranger and had gone to sleep again on the floor. Great was the clamor and weeping when, on return from the fair in expectation of a hot supper, the widow found her treasure missing. It was long before she could grasp the truth. She went back to the little box in the cupboard ten times before she could believe it was empty, and the room looked as if a cyclone had struck it, so long and carefully did the two unfortunates hunt for the lost beetle. Then came days of hunger, which were all the harder to bear, since the recent period of good food and plenty. Oh, if they had only not got used to such dainties! How hard it was to go back to scraps and scrapings! But if the widow and her son were sad over the loss of the good meals, the two pets were even more so. They were reduced to beggary, and had to go forth daily upon the streets in search of stray bones and refuse that decent dogs and cats turn their noses at. Thank you for listening to The Golden Beetle Part 1. If you had a golden beetle, what food would you have it make? Why did the widow and the son get lazy? What do you think is going to happen in the next part of the story? Today's poem is Ingratitude by William Shakespeare. It reads, Blow, blow, thou winter wind. Thou art not so unkind as man's ingratitude. Thy tooth is not so keen, because thou art not seen, although thy breath be rude. Freeze, freeze, thou bitter sky. Thou dost not bite so nigh as benefits forgot. Though thou the waters warp, thy sting is not so sharp as friend remembered not. And that is another episode of Rebecca Reads. If you liked this story, please leave me a five-star review and share it with others. Keep reading and join me next week for another episode of Rebecca Reads.